Barangay is an internationally acclaimed leading Australian garden designer and these are his Garden Rudimentals, a blueprint series on the basics of garden craft. Here with Paul Bangay at Stonefields, Paul, it's the height of the Bucks's harvest. <laughs> it's that time of the year that we, we, we look forward to and dread at the same time. <laughs> Simply through sheer numbers do we have dread in our eyes. Well, yes, there's been a lot of trimming going on. Things are looking pretty ship-shape. Well, 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 it's quite a complicated activity because what we've got to do is trim the box before it actually burns in the hot sun. Okay. And so there's a great amount of timing that goes on to make that happen. And so what they've done is they've pruned the top of it because that's the bit that burns. So if, if the sun is the enemy, why does, yeah. why does not trimming that back, why does that not expose? Because what it does is you trim up all the old foliage that protects it and the new young foliage is prone to sunburn. And so it's only that fresh growth, that lime acid okay. green that you're seeing now. So getting it back to something older is... Is better. Do you have any idea how many box plants you have here? No. Good. They're in the thousands. <laughs> Let's, we'll leave it at the tens of thousands. And all sorts of wonderful <laughs> shapes. I mean, there are there are rectangular square hedges. There are there are square boxes. There are clouded, beautiful spheres and orbs. And, and this is the you know this is one of the wonderful things about how I love to garden is that I love shapes. Mm. You know, we're all loving flowers and we like the wild look, we like the romantic look and I'm embracing flowers. But, like, I do love experimenting with shapes and geometry in the garden. And, you know, I created this part here 18 years ago. So you can see the shapes are quite close together and it was quite a static garden, so I really wanted to make it a bit more dynamic. So I was looking for something that would grow in between in that negative space that would give us some excitement. And about the only thing I could think of were tulips. And so every year we plant 4,000 tulips in here. I was going to ask for the number. <laughs> that, that number I know. <laughs> 4,000 go in every year. 4,000 clear water tulips, that's the variety. So we had to pick exactly the right variety where its head, the flower, sits above the shape of the box, but the foliage is below. Okay. No. A lot of science, a lot of science in this. An awful lot of Jonathan. science. And, and, and that, therefore you need to keep that, that box to a certain height That's right. as well. It gets trimmed back to exactly the same height every year. And in, in Italy you see those wonderful old Renaissance parterres, same box being trimmed year after year for hundreds of years. What's the variety of box here? This is Buxus Sempervirens. Right, which is the one that we all know and pretty well, familiar it, with. It, it is, but we're now using Buxus japonica because Buxus japonica is much hardier than Sempervirens, and the mm. Sempervirens is under attack. It gets a mite, and it's getting a little bit of box blight now, and we find the japonica is much tougher. Obviously, right now there is a great deal of activity. Now there is a, a tremendous amount of maintenance to be done. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of it then, That's isn't it. it. And everyone looks at these formal, very formal gardens and goes, well, what the work? I mean, why would you do something? Always out there with your scissors. Yeah, the snip, work snip. is incredible. But really, it is a trim once a year, and then it's done. That's it. The formality, I'm trying to think of the sensation that it creates. I mean, it's obviously quite classical and that's set off here with these pencil cypresses that you've got. Pencil to... pines, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, we've spoken about this before, I think verticality, how important verticality is in the garden. And that's, a, that's one thing that you learn as a designer. When you're drawing a plan, you're drawing it in two dimensions. And it's quite often uh, you forget about the, the verticality. But you can see how important it is to punctuate these great big sheets of box yes. with these pencil pines. Which but a classic combination, isn't it? Pencil pines and box. 
Well, yeah, and, and I love the way, too, that the, the pines actually come up in the middle of yeah. little box hedges and it's closed entirely around the trunk. And look how well, I mean, if you grow something together from scratch, look how well they coexist. Yes. Like that box is perfect right up to the trunk of the trees. This sort of formality, um, do, do people request this? Not, not very much these days, no. I mean, formality has really fallen out of fashion. And I wonder why. I mean, why, why, why has formality fallen out of fashion? Is it the way we live? I mean, we're, we're, we're more uptight than we ever were, I think. See, I think the funny thing, though, with, with a garden, I mean, with a considered garden, a garden that has planning behind it, to create a sense of relaxed ease is just as difficult as creating a sense of formality. Oh, no, it's, it's harder. Much harder to create a casual garden and an informal garden than to create a formal garden. Much easier to, to grow a formal garden Look after a formal garden and plan a formal garden. You know precisely what you've got to do. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. With a less formal garden, like you're really at the whim of nature. They they always used to say that in times of insecurity and great uncertainty, formality came back into fashion. Classicism came back mm. into fashion. Classicism is a, is a great sort of strength, isn't it, that you can rely on. That sense of, you were talking about before too of, of space of the positive space of the plant, the negative space yeah. of the space that surrounds it. Yeah. I mean, that's something you create not necessarily in, in just a formal setting. No, that's right. I mean, and that, that, this is the perfect example of it here, you know, the negative space being the space between the box plants. But in modern design now, and, and in, in these new casual wild or gardens, a lot of the negative space has been taken away. And so in, in, in a more formal traditional garden, you'd have lovely big expanses of lawn, big terraces, and that's what I call the negative space. Now we're reducing the lawns just to small paths winding through big, deep garden beds. So the, the, the look is a much fuller look, relying on negative space a lot less than it did previously. Now, the tabletop boxes that I'm looking at, you know, I'm interested in the technicality of this, Yeah. the sort of guides and systems that are used to get that finish, which is very precise. Well, Tim, our gardener here, is um, fanatical about it, and so he gets a laser out. Now, it's not a laser beam. <laughs> Sadly, it's not a laser beam that can trim it. It's a laser that shoots across the top of it and tells you if any little blade is sort of out or any little leaf is sticking out. So it gives you this exact precise line all the way along. Now, the old-fashioned way used to be with strings. Yes. People used to put a string up on one end, string up the other end, put a level on it to get it completely perfect. And what about the curves and the spheres? The, and curves, the, the curves, we've got templates. On the round box, we've got a little plywood circle that sits on top and you clip around to that. And on the curves, on the vertical hedges to the sides, there's another little template and you clip around that with the curve on it. And what do you clip with? So we use petrol shears here for the most of the box. There's a high sort of repetitive strain risk if the, you were doing that. And there is, and we're now going over to electric, you'll be glad to know. Uh -huh. So the, the whole new trend is for battery operated yes. mechanical tools, which is wonderful, quieter, more heavy, sadly, which is harder on their backs. But for all the boxes, all the spheres, they use hand shears. I'm imagining, you know, the, the, the late winter months here at Stonefields as the, the garden staff are sharpening their shears <laughs> in preparation. Getting, for preparation the, for yes. spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, this, this is all going to be done in the spring before the weather gets too hot. Well, it must be quite a, a hectic schedule. It's a very hectic schedule. I mean, you know, winter is that time where you catch up on all the activities and get the shed in order and, and make sure all the, all the plumbing's working in the garden and all the infrastructure's working. And then spring comes with great gusto and everything explodes into, into growth, as you can see here, and it's just constant, constant trimming. So these are, these are water iris and they sit in our ponds. They sit in each corner of the pond 
Um, they die down in winter and come back up, but now, of course, they're flowering in the spring, aren't they? Spectacular in flower. The like blue, blue. Is, is superb. I know, it is. And it's funny, when they die down, you get that absence of green in the, in the terrace and the ponds. It looks so bare. You just, just having that little bit of greenery coming up makes all the difference. Because, of course, you can get the spot of snow here in winter, can't we you? We do, yeah. yeah. We, used to, we used to get regular snow. We haven't had it for some years now, sadly. As we slowly warm up, the snow's disappearing. And, uh, and oh, uh, lots of fruit coming on. The consequence, I think, again, of a, of a wet year is that we usually have one good year of apples, one bad year of apples. They go in two-season cycles. We've had three good years of apples. So it's, This it's will a be one, won't it? This will be the third good year. Do you have to net them, apples? No, so we've got 12 apple trees. The birds get, I think, 20%, and the other 80% of 12 trees is plenty for us. Fair shares. Yeah, fair shares, exactly. What are they, by the way? <laughs> Crimson Crisp, the sweetest, crispest red apple you could get. It's an interesting moment in spring too, isn't it? It's sort of late spring, the, the first big flush of colour and so on is done. Yeah. Things are settling a little into summer. Well, there's always this period where you get well, the wonderful exuberance of spring and then there's a lull between you get the, the perennials of summer. So mm. there's always this period, this quiet period in between. But at, at the moment, you can see we're, we're just in the height of spring here. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> and when, when it's, I created this busy, rose garden... Busy space. I'd just been to Iran and seen uh-huh. the rose gardens of Shiraz. The rose gardens there are just unbelievable. So they're not like our typical... Uh, English-inspired rose gardens where it's all pastels and safe colours. They do hot, warm red colours. And so all our roses here are crimson and dark, dark plum in colour. There's a stack of planting around them. Yes. So we wanted the feeling of, if you, if you sort of squint a little bit, does it look like a Persian rug? Okay, I'll give you that. You give me that? Yeah, yeah. that's the feeling we wanted. So <laughs> I'll sit down, have a cup of tea and possibly buy one. <laughs> a couple of glasses of wine, it looks more like a Persian rug. But that feeling of those sort of really deep colours weaving in and out of each mm. other yes. with a little bit of cream and white to sort of, sort of give it a bit of pop is the feeling we wanted for the rose garden. Because people, I mean, the conventional wisdom about rose garden too is that it is just roses and you, yeah. you keep things very spare. No, well, there you go back to that negative space again. You mm. don't want too much negative space. Well, here's the complete opposite. We've gone completely full of, of, of plant material with no negative space. Bees must go crazy in here. The bees love it, absolutely love it, yeah. And the roses are happy in this in this. Roses setting. are happy in here. I mean, they, they like a lot of ventilation, mm. so they prefer to be out in the middle of a, of a field getting more ventilation, but they seem quite happy in here. But, does, yeah, well, it's true that despite so much going on around the actual bush itself of the rose, it's, yeah. it's quite clear. Yeah. No, you've got to leave a little bit of bare, of bare soil around there. And then do you like our paving? Yeah, it's good. So these are these are um, odd-sized pieces of granite from Italy and odd-sized depths and widths and everything. So a nightmare to lay, but they give you that sort of um, very handmade look, that sort of yes. very textural sort of look to the paving. Mm-hmm. What are the food miles in this paving? Um, not good. <laughs> but luckily we're not eating them. <laughs> <laughs> and even even here we find some some orbs of, of buxes just to give them we, we can't, that we can't, sense we can't, of we, we, sense we, of shape. We can't get away from the shapes of buxes, can we? <laughs> they seem to come follow us around everywhere. But I softened it down by planting thyme at the base of them. Very nice. So that's that's sort of giving the softness underneath. Ruby Ruby the spaniel is is now fossicking. Isn't that all you can see is a tail going it's through the weaving through the foliage. Yes. Looking for Are they rabbits. peonies in there too? Just yes, it's a, tree, a tree peony. If anyone wants to grow peonies, tree peonies are the safest ones. They're your mm. best bet. 
The most reliable out of all of them. A good return. The others are pretty finicky. They are too hard to grow. You need a very cold winter with frost on top of them. Well, it is splendid to, to see this, this vision of spring. The, the, the trimming process on all the hedges here, it, 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 vague sort of estimate of time? A lot. Ah. <laughs> Sadly, a lot. I mean, for, you know, it occupies their time, the gardener's time, really from October, November, December, and then it stops start growing in January. When the heat comes, the heat of summer comes, it stops, yeah. they stop growing. Everything, so Everything quietens down. Yeah. I mean, they retreat because they just have to from the extreme mm. heat and dry. You just missed the bunny going past your feet. The cocker oh. spaniel missed her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's still overlooking for alert. Not very alert. Come on, Ruby, you can do better than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everything being supervised by the uh, the eminent eminent shape of Harold the Peacock. Harold the Peacock, <laughs> keeping an eye on things from. See, that's eye. a testament to the strength of our hedges. I mean, he sits up there all day on top of that hedge, just Harold's watching just out. Yeah, it's, I mean, they'll take the weight of a human. Those those hedges up there. He loves it. Just keeping eye on everything. Well, Paul, thank you for this this spring vision. Pleasure, always a pleasure. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.